When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. On today's podcast, we're going to focus on tempo, and joining us is one of the best coordinators at the NAI level. He's now moved on to Central Missouri, but the last two years was a national champion at Morningside College in Iowa, and that is the new coordinator at Central Missouri, Lucas Luters. Lucas, great to have you back on the podcast. Appreciate it, Keith. It's a pleasure. So, Coach, I did see recently you've you've made that move, had an outstanding run there. I believe you were the 2018 football scoop NAIA coordinator of the year, so earned some personal accolades as well. But you've made a change here, and so let's kind of catch people up. We've had a podcast with you before and have all your kind of biographical questions, which we'll share the link for in that one. But I guess since that time we talked here, the last couple of years, and Catching us up on what's going on with the things you've done here from Morningside now to your new gig at Central Missouri. Yeah, so you know it's been nine years. I was at Morningside, so I started back in 2011, and uh, I took over coordinating role. I was actually co-coordinator with Colin Prosser um, my first year in 2013, and then it was Colin plays. We actually awkward moment in in my career is we were going through. I shouldn't say awkward, but a, a pretty pretty special moment in my career is, you know, we're going through our season and I had coach Coach Ryan's calling the plays and kind of showing Colin and myself, you know, the the proper ways of game planning and going through that way. And then we're in the biggest game of our season, our conference rival game. And at halftime, he goes, all right, boys, you guys got it. You got it from here on out. He's like, Lucas, you call the plays. Colin, you relay the information. You guys sort it out. I'm going to be a head coach. He goes, I, I feel like that's what I need to do right now with the program. And and halftime of the biggest game. And I just remember, like, the minute he walked away, uh, Colin Prosser's a good buddy of mine. But uh, he just got super excited. And he's kind of got, when he gets really excited, he's got a high squeaky pitch voice. And it's it's just priceless. Like, I'll never forget that. But he just, he's like, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. And he's just, like, super excited. He's like, man, we're going to win this game. Yeah, we, we took over then, and I was calling the plays, and he was uh, helping me with the run game and everything, and it was a pretty special moment. So from 13 on that moment on, we uh, we worked together until 2014 was our last season co-coordinating, and then I took it over from 15 the last couple of years. And, you know, it's a pretty surreal moment to, to win the national championship just in general, but what many people don't know is from 2012, 
we made the national championship in 2012. We lost in overtime. And then every year after that, except for one season, 2016, we were in the semifinals. So there's a lot of long seasons and a lot of heartbreak. And so when we won that one in 2018, it was a pretty surreal moment, pretty emotional moment, because you didn't just think about the guys that were with the team and actually won the game. I mean, you thought about every Mustang in my time and the ones well before that, that kind of came through and you're just like, we were so close for so many years. It was more than just that team that won it. And it was pretty special. And then to get, get a chance to go back the next year with, with a new quarterback and some new personnel and different things that way. I mean, you couldn't ask for a better situation to, and a better head coach to work for. I mean, guys, I think he's got like an 80, 82% winning percentage or something. I mean, it's, it's, it's through the roof. It's way up there. And it's just been a great guy to work for as Coach Ryan and then the rest of the staff. And then obviously, you're only as good of a coach with the players you got. I mean, you got you to gotta recruit every year and, and do things that way. So, yeah, I've been very fortunate. And, you know, pass up maybe some opportunities along the way, which my philosophy has always been, you know, the grass isn't always greener. It, it's fun to win. But sometimes you can go work somewhere and work just as hard and not even come close to where you're at in terms of success or, or pleasure or enjoyment, you know, in terms of happiness and everything that way. So it was a good situation for those nine years. I, I loved every minute of it, but the, the right opportunity came. You know, I got in contact with Coach Sabota down here in central Missouri, and obviously they're, they've had some really good success over his tenure and uh, offensively specifically. I mean, last year they led the – country in division two football and yards per game and they've been very dynamic over the years and so i'm hoping with some of my experience and you know his his experience in terms of he's been a coordinator at a high levels and be able to learn from him a little bit but kind of put things together and let's make a run at it at this place and, and see if we can do something that's never been done here before certainly it's that challenge and you know the learning new people and all of that, but I think there's the excitement behind that too. As you've made that transition, have you had to, I guess, refocus on, you know, the way you do things, et cetera. A couple of weeks ago, I had a coach on talking, he made a move too. And like, he's like, I never had to really learn anybody's names and now I'm learning names. You know, he's just used to it in recruiting, but anything, you know, in making a move that maybe was unexpected or something new to account for. I mean, it's just, yeah, the whole situation we're in right now. I mean, it's just a unique scenario. I mean, it's one of those things when you're at somewhere for nine years, you get really comfortable. And what Coach Ryan did at Morningside was really good. Is I mean, he never really let you just settle in and just relax. I mean, he was constantly challenging with different things. And that's the one thing I always enjoyed about, you know, being there and everything. And I know it's going to be the same here. I mean, you know, Coach Bodo and I, we've met, we've talked, we've talked at length about a lot of different ideas. And I mean, just getting talking about it, it's really exciting. But you know, I'm I'm down here. I started beginning of the month in March, and you know, I'll come down. My family's still back in Iowa, and you know, it's different. You know, you got to learn everybody's names. You gotta you gotta figure out who they are, where they're from. I mean, you, you try to put all the information you can because you want to grow and foster relationships and and try to create those relationships as fast as possible. And it's a lot of information at once when you come to a, a totally new program and kind of geographically even a little bit different that you're not as familiar with their, all the players or their high schools or anything. But then, you know, I was here for about a week and a half. And then, you know, we're prepping for spring brawl. We, we got a 
we've got a spring break coming up and, you know, getting ready to kind of finalize everything for spring ball to start right after we get back from spring break. And, and I'm getting ready to go home and see my family for the weekend. And, you know, as I'm driving, Coach Boto calls me and says, hey, spring ball, spring ball's canceled. You know, the NCAA canceled spring ball. And it was just it was an awkward situation to have to deal with. But it's also invigorating and fun because obviously moving from Morningside to, to coming here in a well-established program and a phenomenal Division II conference, it's exciting because I get to work with some guys that, you know, in the caliber of athletes that maybe, you know, we not always had at Morningside. Or I should say the, the, the amount of talent. I mean, Morningside's been blessed and they've, we've had some great players, but, you know, depth is, is a huge issue in any sport. And, you know, sometimes you try to make sure you protect that as much as possible. And, and here, I mean, you can just see as we got through our spring testing, like the amount of speed, the amount of size, the athleticism and the, on both sides of the line of scrimmage. I mean, it's just different, but it's really invigorating and exciting to, to think about in terms of and I'm going to be able to maybe do some things I haven't even done yet because maybe we've tried it, but it just didn't work or, you know, and they, they do some different things that way. So no, it's a, it's a unique situation, fun, challenging. It's forcing us to really evaluate the situation we're in and what's the best way to go about it, you know, try to implementing a new offense and with the times we're in. And so we got to be really creative and, and smart with our time as well. Definitely a challenge. I'll tell you just that story you shared of, coach empowering you guys I, I've never had one like that I've heard about guys and making that transition to being the play caller and taking things over never heard about it in the middle of a game especially a a game that is that meaningful in your schedule so that's a really neat story but I think you know you've you've talked about it and I've had Casey Jacobson on here before I mean you know both you guys saying the same thing that you're working for a great guy and you know I think that's what makes this you know what is a very challenging profession a little bit easier is that you're working for people who you feel are good people who you want to help win and it sounds like you've made a a move to a situation that you have that there as well yeah absolutely I mean that's you know I talk about it and and you you know you're blessed when you got opportunities and and you never want to take an opportunity for granted because you never know when you're going to get another one it's the same thing you tell your players right but yeah I mean I'm so fortunate I get to work with Casey Jacobson for, for nine years. I mean, that guy is, is probably one of the best defensive minds out there and in terms of how how well he gets his guys to play and do do what he needs. And it's not always easy, especially in practice, going against him. And me and him are super competitive, but we're probably the bestest friends off the field. I mean, there's times where he'd kick my tail all practice and spring ball, and we'd come into the office and I'd just be pissed, and then we'd sit down and, we just start chuckling and laughing about certain things. And it's like, you just got to remember, it's like, you just made me better because now I'm so motivated to make sure that tomorrow I go out and kick his tail. And it's, it's great because it's, you know, I like to think I did the next day, but it rarely happened that way. But it's great because like, even now we talk and it's just like, Hey, it's like, man, the way you guys did this really made us think on how we, how we did things defensively. And so it's always a joy to work with great people because, they're willing to help you and just say, Hey, you know what, you know, you could do this little thing and this would really create more conflict for us. And so it was always good. You know, he played on offense, you know, a little bit about Casey. He played on offense in college. I played on defense in college. So, I mean, I'm a defensive background experience wise. I mean, I played linebacker and then I was a D line GA my first year before I got moved over to the offense for one season. And then I got hired at Morningside, but you know, he played, 
offensive line. He was the center. I mean, he knows everything there is in terms of the, the O-line side of things. I think that gives him a great advantage. And then he's sharp as all get out in terms of the coverage and, and stuff like that. So me and him bounce ideas off each other a lot. And, and it was great. And so, you know, the opportunities come. And, you know, there's a lot of great places to work and you're blessed to get those opportunities. But, you know, this is one of those spots that I felt like was going to be a good transition as well, just because, you know, when I came down and interviewed and met with the guys, it just, I felt like immediately you could just be as open as, as you wanted and, and tell the truth and, and be point blank with guys. And nobody was like, no, nobody's going to get offended. They all want to win. They all want to, you know, to do things the right way. But it's like, you're not here to ruffle feathers. You're here to make each other better. So we're going to tell you things that you need to do and work on and, and give you advice in here. And BJ Campbell's the defensive coordinator here. And I know, I knew BJ through Colin Prosser, who I was a coordinator with. And so, I mean, it worked out really well and I'm excited to get to know these guys and to compete with these guys. And it's already been good in my time down here with this unique situation. I mean, everybody's been phenomenal, but yeah, the people you work with probably make more of a difference in terms of your even your success, but even just how happy you are in terms of everything. And it matters with your family, your wife, your kids, everything. I mean, it all trickles down. It's a ripple effect. Yeah. Well, I, I could say uh, we just recorded with Casey and he was equally as complimentary about you and working with you. So it's kind of neat for our listeners. I think you'll be able to hear that kind of relationship between these two guys. And, you know, I think you hear and we're fortunate to, to talk to a lot of successful coaches here at great places. And that relationship piece is so important, just as you shared right there. To change gears, Coach, we're going to talk about tempo today. And, you know, kind of like spread used to mean something specific to offense. And when you said, oh, we're facing a spread offense, you knew what that meant. And and now tempo's kind of been become that same thing because a lot of guys talk about tempo. So for you, I guess, you know, give an overview of that philosophy of, of what tempo is to you guys and how you're going to use it. So the way we really think through things, you know, in terms of even just philosophy, you know, what, how, you, how you view things within your own team. And, and so our offensive philosophy or my offensive philosophy has just always been, I want to be no huddle. I want to be up-tempo but I also want to be multiple formation and multiple movement. Well, you know, that's where I, guys get lost when you talk about tempo, right? It's like, wait, you want to be up tempo, but you want to do shift motion. And it's like, yes. And like, how can you do both? And it really comes back to just your overall offensive philosophy. And, you know, I believe wholeheartedly in, in, in keeping things as simple as possible for your kids you can get so creative or you can get so caught up in making things easy to understand for coaches, but then sometimes you get lost in translation in terms of how it's communicated to the players. And then really it, it all, all that matters is can they come up, can they go out and perform? Can they go out and execute what you want them to execute? And so we always keep that in mind. So the number one thing we focus on is our players and we try to figure out, you know, what players do we, we want to get the ball to, who are the playmakers? And then we want to divvy it up as best we can. The second thing we focus on is formation. So we want to realize what we can accomplish with a formation. One is it creates a lot of different looks. And then also we can use it to create either a leverage advantage, a number advantage, or maybe personnel mismatches or whatever. And then you can add in motions and shifts and all of that to even add the complexity to it. But in the end, it again, it goes back to, can you make it as simple as possible for your players to understand to be able to execute? 
uh, in pressure situations, remind you. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. They should be able to execute it on air. They should be able to execute on a base defense. But when the game's on the line, can they execute? And then the last thing we focus on, the uh, third thing out of out of it is plays. Then we worry about what plays do we need to run out of those formations to get those players the ball. And so that's our base kind of offensive philosophy and what, what I believe in. And then in terms of tempos, really we look at it and go, all right, what's the best way to attack an opposing defense? What's the best way to maybe get the, this player the ball in this formation or you know what's what's the best way to go about this to execute this this scheme or this plan and so we break it up and we had fastballs we have what we call uh sonic tempo and then we have our movement plays and then you have check with me or check plays and so all of those vary in terms of how long it takes to actually snap the ball and so we communicate with players if you want to snap the ball as fast as possible we try to and we try to limit this, but it really all depends on your player's threshold. We want to snap the ball between eight and 10 seconds. Well, we're going to develop a play that the formation, the protection, the, the, the run play, the screen, whatever it is, is all communicated in that one word or one signal and try to just, sometimes it's a, it's a shock type play, like a surprise factor. Sometimes it's a numbers advantage. Sometimes it's just strictly a leverage advantage. You know, can the team get lined up fast enough to, you know, be properly aligned or can you take advantage of it? The other part is in terms of the next tempo is, you know, we want to go fast, but we're going to go as base as possible. So a lot of people would probably consider this their two minute offense. I consider it the every, every down offense. I mean, this is the way I want to go. And so we're looking at trying to snap the ball between 10 and 15 seconds off the play clock. We're going to relay those plays and signals, and then we're going to execute base stuff, simple things so our guys can understand. And so we try to limit that. I mean, it's still going to be a pretty good package, but it's it's your base things. It's what you view yourself that you're best at. It's things your kids can execute well and go that way. And then we incorporate in shifts and movements. And so those can vary. I mean, it can be a simple shift, a trade of the tight end. It could be a, a simple motion maybe moving a receiver in or, you know, just a motion across the formation, whatever it might be. But then, you know, our guys and, and at Morningside specifically, I mean, they looked forward to that new way that we were going to shift a group, the four or five player movement, you know, I mean, they were just, cause we'd go into a week with it and it was like, they almost like looked forward to it. Like, Hey, what are we going to call it this week? And what are we going to do? And Hey, do we have freedom? Cause sometimes we just give them freedom. Like, Hey, line up wherever you want. Just don't be, you know, you have to understand where you need to be and get your job done. But, you know, guys take ownership in that stuff and they'd have fun. We'd, we'd allow them to give the names of the shift sometimes and have fun that way. And so we utilize those things for different reasons. And again, it really goes back to, can we take advantage of leverage numbers and graphs? And those are three things we emphasize a lot within our, within the offense. And so, you know, we're still going to do those things, but we still are trying to push the tempo. Um, and so the way we, we allow ourselves to continue to push tempo and continue to snap that ball between, you know, really it's probably between 16 and 22 seconds on the play clock or off the play clock. We, we use a wristband. And so, you know, it will signal motions and we'll signal shifts, but to eliminate the complexity, sometimes we will put it on a wristband so everybody can easily read it. It eliminates some verbal communication or maybe a guy missed a signal that helps eliminate some of that stuff. So, does some really good things for us. And then the last one is our, you know, 
check check plays, whether I'm checking it as a coordinator, whether the quarterback's checking it at the line of scrimmage, or you know whether it's a design one-two check play, it doesn't really matter. You know those are those are some specific plays. Probably there we're looking at trying to get in the best play possible scenario and making sure we're we're running what we need to. All of those have a good good reason behind them. Fastballs, you know, keep keep defenses on edge, keep players on edge. You know, coordinators can have a great plan for it, but can your players execute in the pressure of the moment? You know, in terms of going sonic tempo and, and going as fast as you can, can can guys get aligned properly? Can they can they execute? Can the defense coordinator get their call in? You know, and put pressure. And, and the game of football is really about pressure. Who's putting pressure on whom? And so that's what we're always trying to do is I'm trying to put pressure on the 18 to 22 year olds that are on the field and make them feel like nothing's going their way and then watch them crumble as a unit is really what my, my plan is in terms of going up tempo, but some, some teams have a really good plan for it. Well, can they communicate and can they adjust to shift motions? You know, what, what creates fits for them, you know, and, and sometimes it's taking advantage of a technique like, you know, this team doesn't bump their front on a tight end trade or, you know, this, this DN's got to put his hand in the ground with a tight end, but he'll stand up if he's got an open edge. I mean, different things that way. But in the end, I mean, it's just it's creating that eye discipline and then creating pressure in the moment of are the players on the field being able to feel confident, feel comfortable and execute what they're coached to do? Or are they second guessing themselves or second guessing the coach? And then in the pressure of the moment, what happens? You know, what, what's, what's the, what's the bottom line with it? Or do we have the edge and are we performing at a high rate or are they, you know, or do they have the edge or do, or are they comfortable? And if it is, then I just continue to switch it up. So it's a feel thing for me and tempos. We're going to go into every game with all four of them. And again, keep it as simple as possible for your players. You, you always got to keep that in mind. I do want to cover the shifts in motions. I think that's got a lot of people's interest because you said it. Yeah, we're, we're putting that back into the offense. And I think, again, it's it's all about how do things get communicated? How do you do those things? Because, you know, we would – and I wrote a book on uh, on tempo, using tempo as a weapon, and really divided it into six categories. So it was – Fast, faster, fastest, and slow, slower, slowest as far as where the tempos fit. And we kind of had developed over the years 20 tempo tools. Now I'd never carry 20 tempo tools into a game plan. I mean, we were probably in that four to six range. Some of them kind of situational things or game plan things. We certainly would game plan our tempo and how we were going to use it against certain people. Because I think you have to look at how you're going to manage and control the game. But we did have the the shifts in motions within there and some procedures that allowed us to do that. We were like you. We we operated off a wristband, at least for the plays, formations and, and motions that get in. But we had a simple procedure for us that allowed us to shift in motion. I'm interested how you do it too. But I think I talked with Matt Drinkle about this on our, our podcast a few weeks ago. We would just call it our, our bounce tempo. So if they got the signal for bounce, really what it meant to them is, and, and they would, we'd practice this in a period where they could just play around with it, but maintain 
all rules of illegal shift, meaning that if someone is up on the ball, you need to move back and not cover him up. Once he moves to the other side, you need to move up so that you don't leave a, you know, a tackle uncovered, et cetera. So they understood those things. Um, but basically after that, their rule was never shift from a two-by-two two to a two-by-two. Two. Always shift the strength. So go from a three-by-one to a three-by-one or you know something with two backs or whatever. Always shift the strength. And we let you know taught them those things and at first you know there was a learning curve but once they figured it out they had a lot of fun with it and i mean you know this you you can drive a coordinator nuts because they're charting every single single thing you start in and what you end up in and i really didn't care for a lot of it if we were using the bounce tempo what we did start in it was guys you be creative with this make sure you're able to do it fast so if you are as an example an outside receiver on the right, don't line up on the left somewhere. You just line up where you are and you go up or back. Maybe start with a compressed and go out to a wide or start wide, go to compressed, whatever formation you're supposed to be in. So when they would get bounced tempo, and for us, you know, it would just come in to them, they'd, they would see the signal for bounce, right? For us, it was actually on a sign. So they'd see the signal for bounce, and then they would get the formation. So it could be bounce, north, six, and then the play. And it could be, you know, zone left, right? off of their wristband so they did it very fast I liked it Lucas because I didn't have to think about what are we lining up first and what am I getting them to they just handled it and I'll, I'll tell you what they would be creative with it and and understand those rules and you'd see a defense on the other side trying to communicate because you know these guys are are moving from some stuff maybe they hadn't seen in the game etc and and then we would build motion into those two so I could give them bounce north six j7 and he would, you know, the guy on the right who's in what we call the sixth slot would move to the seventh slot with motion. So now it's a shift, then a motion, those multiple movements. So I'm interested, you know, that was our method. How do you do it to be able to keep it simple, yet complex for the defense and be able to work it into, you know, an up-tempo environment? Well, two things before I even get into that. One is, I don't know why you're talking to me about tempos, because it sounds like you've got a way more systematic way of doing it. That's far out advanced mine. Number two, side note, and, and a little factoid for you, I GA'd for Trinkle. He's actually the one who got me on offense, St. Ambrose. So so I give I give some good credit to him because I think I was a pretty terrible D-line GA. <laughs> and looking back, I was awful. But he believed in me, at least as a coach, to get me over on the offensive side. And I got to give a lot of credit to him for doing that because – I can't ever see myself being back on the defensive side. I would have never thought that, but now that I'm on the offensive side and now that I've been doing this for a while, I love it. But to, to answer your question now, there's a lot of similarities, and it, it's all crossover. So, for instance, I look at it in a variety of different ways, all right, in terms of keep in mind I stick to these three rules for a lot of different things. Numbers, leverage, grass. So you said never motion to like a – from a two-by-two two to a two-by-two. Two. You know, things that I'll do is I will if it means I'm creating a mismatch. And so I'll do some different things that way to, to attack certain things. But, for instance, you know, things that we'll do is, you know, we'll make it really easy. You know, universal thing is trade. You know, you trade the tight end over and change the strengths. And the thing I like to do is I like to find those teams that do that because it tells me, A, does that defense have an answer? B, what is their answer? And then is there a way that I can then create that double movement to take advantage of that answer? So I'm an answer to an answer guy. So, you know, you might do something and then, oh, here's your answer. Then I'm, 
I always try to think ahead and go, oh, so what's the answer for that answer then? And making sure I always have a plan. So simple things we do is, you know, you use in the most basic way, whatever letters you use. I, I feel like everybody does different letters for for everything in terms of positions. I know at Morningside, we're, we're a little bit unique in terms of how we use letters in terms of positions. But, you know, if we had the X receiver, all his motions were going to start with an X that signified, hey, you're the guy moving. And then we, you know, use simple things like, hey, if we were going to go X in, we just call it exit. If we were going to go X out, we just call it X out, you know, just simple movement stuff that way. But if we were going to do double movements, you know, we'd go trade X across the formation and be like, trade axe. And I got the, the X receiver to know, hey, I got to go across the formation. What told him where to line up? We finished everything we did uh, in the formation we wanted to be in. So that's what, that's what gave the players freedom to line up basically however they, they wanted because no matter what, they knew where to finish. So there's a few times where I'd try to create something like, hey, I want to give the look that you're a wing here. So like our, our slot receiver was our Z. Well, I wanted the Z to line up in the wing spot to make it look like we're in more of a, maybe a run or a more traditional run formation. I mean, they still got to pick up on who the heck that guy is lined up there. They still got to figure out that that's not even a traditional wing or a tight end. That's a different guy. And a lot of times teams that don't pick up on it or teams that don't adjust for it, then we'll just line the guy up there and run basic plays, like basic pass plays to take advantage of maybe he's lined up on a linebacker instead of a, a safety or a corner and look for ways that we can take advantage of it that way. But you know, we'd get creative. So we'd tell them, hey, you know, typically we'd go Z across the formation and zap. We'd go zwap. It just meant Z from the wing across. Or zwap, I guess, is what we called it. Z wing across the formation. You know, and just get them to, to do that. But in the end, we ran really base base plays, and we made them look really complicated. So guys understood what the end result, what we wanted. It was really the week leading up to the game was preparing them to understand why are we doing this? Like give them the whys. They want the whys anyways. So we would give them the whys of, do you understand why we're doing this? Do you understand why I'm moving you from here to here? And they'd be like, yes. And then they could communicate it. Because then you could also communicate, well, the concern is this. If we're doing this and this isn't happening, then it needs to be communicated so we can make this adjustment. Well, then in the game, they could easily give you the answer. You know, I mean, we're we're small staff at Morningside, so, you know, you didn't have, you know, eight guys in the press box and 10 guys on the field on both sides of the ball or whatever. You know what I'm saying? You you only had three coaches on the field. You had two guys in the press box, and you your eyes were stuck on certain things. So a lot of the times the players could give you answers because you gave them the whys throughout the week and kind of go that way. But the other thing we would always communicate with our motions and shifts was you do it with a sense of urgency, you do it with a purpose. And so you're, you're communicating what that purpose is again, that why for leverage, for, uh, for numbers advantage, for ability alignment is what I would always communicate. Where do you need to be to execute that play? And so those are some of the things that we did to do that, but to be as safe as possible. I mean, basically we, we communicated with our guys that we could line up anywhere they wanted. We'd give them as much freedom as they wanted. There's times where we needed to tell them exactly what we wanted and we just adjust. 
so that they knew, hey, okay, this one's a little bit different because he wants me to line up here and then shift from here. But shifts always became the four motions. And then we were different than, than how you explained it. We would never move on and off the line of scrimmage. So guys always knew what there's, you know, we, we didn't get caught with that movement, get a penalty, or we get caught with too many guys in line, you know, a guy covered up or, or too many guys off the ball. So we were a little bit different that way. Yeah, and I think you and I talked about distinctly different things there. And I think the answer for coaches out there looking for this, you have to have a system for what you're going to do. It has to fit with the terminology that you use, et cetera, right? Because we all structure it with the, the language a little bit differently. So for you to go and take what I did directly or to take what Coach Luters is talking about directly may not work at all within what you're doing. But look at, you know, the different things we talked about to do it. I mean, for me, it was, you know, the biggest thing I thought about when we'd use that tempo, and, and we'd use it throughout a game at different points. All we were trying to do was give them three opportunities to be wrong because when you move like that, they need to recognize, they need to communicate, and they need to adjust. So there's there's three opportunities that something can be messed up, somebody's now blown their gap responsibility or leverage that they're supposed to have on coverage, whatever it might have been, we just want their their pieces moving a little bit. We want want to get them to think a little bit. So especially, you know, I, I would think about tempo in, in waves, right? So we're going fast, going fast, going fast. Now all of a sudden it looks like we're gonna go fast and then we shift to something else and and you know now we're making them think a little bit. So it, it is all to me it's a you know, you, you use it to manage the game. You use it as a weapon. I mean, we even, Coach, would think about counters to the different tempos that we had, right? And a big one was fast, 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 false count, right? Freeze, something. And I can't tell you how many times we got a free play on that, right? Like, you know, using those or one we would do. I had no problem running. If we felt we got them in a look we wanted and we were executing, I'd have no problem just copying the play, go again. We'd have an again tempo, right? So again, again, again. Like a repeat. Exactly. Yep. And we would we would then sometimes string into that a sequence. So it's moving fast. It looks like the same thing, but we actually change same formation, change the play, or go into a three play sequence that we had scripted out of it. And like you're just messing with the psyche of the defense. I've shown I think in different show notes, we've talked about some of these topics before where, you know, we have a, a drive going down the field. We got counter three times in a row. We've switched to outside zone three times in a row. Then we go into a sequence and we go outside zone one more time and then into a naked. And the corner and the safety are run fitting and the guy's standing a wide open in the corner of the end zone. Because it's like, as someone a long time ago wrote a, an article about that and I kind of took it to heart and they talked about Pavlov's Pavlov's dog is we were just ringing the bell that's all you know and and again there was another one where it was open field we went you know again 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 then went and got a first down went into a three-play sequence which you know run run and then a pass play action off of it the two runs you know were different but from the same formation same formation again moving really fast all the guys are doing is looking to the sideline are you in are we still in the sequence we're give them the signal, run it, run it. They, they line up and go. And it was the same thing again, safety and corner run fit. And this receiver is running a post with on air. He's running a post on air. It's like, 
you if you watch the film without context, you're like, wow, this team's really bad. It's it's not. The the defense thought they saw something. We got them and we we confused them. Yep. I mean that's the whole thing, and I feel like you know over the years at Morningside we had a very very explosive offense, and it, it's the combination of the potions, and I mean in terms of what you can make, and so you know you you're doing things at a high tempo, you're RPOing, you're you're mixing in run and pass, and then the next thing you know it, you're shift motioning, and there's a threshold for everybody. There's a threshold for your players. There's a threshold for the defense. There's a threshold for everything. So one way that I, I think I do it different than, than a lot of other people is on Fridays, I go through series of plays in my head in terms of how I think things could go. So like I will think through, all right, if I were to call this play, all right, well, this would be, I think it's a really good play, but at worst, I think it could be maybe a three-yard gain on a run. All right, and, you know, it's one of our best plays or whatever. I don't know. But then I'm sitting there thinking through, okay, if it wasn't a three-yard game, then what would I call? If it was a three-yard game, what would be my next call? So I'm kind of putting myself in a, through a simulation in my own head of trying to think through, okay, if we got the three-yard gain, I'd still continue to go gas and I'd continue to stay in this or I'd switch from two-by-two two to three-by-one and then I would run this. Okay, if that got me a six-yard gain, then I would look at running – this play, or maybe that didn't get me the game. Maybe I'm still sitting in second and 10 because the first play didn't work. Well, then what would be my second and 10 scenario play? I would call this, you know, and kind of work through it. But the other thing is, is you got to go through penalties happen, right? So I like to ebb and flow with the game. Sometimes penalties happen. So I'm going gas, gas, gas. All of a sudden a big penalty happens or a big play. Well, my running back's gassed. Do I need to continue to go tempo because he just ran the ball three or four times in a six play series to get us into the score zone? And then, you know, now's my time to shift move and change the tempo because they're tired. And now are they thinking right? Are they disciplined? Are they, you know, and, and going that whole way. The other part that I love about the shift motions and the multiple, multiple tempos is you think about it. When we go sonic tempo every day in practice, we're preparing for a two-minute drill without even preparing for it. When we go shift movement, we're practicing for a four-minute drill without ever really having to practice for a four-minute drill. I mean, we got it down to almost a science of at 14 seconds, we call the play with a shift movement. We're still able to snap the ball in this play with one second left on the play clock. I mean, it's just like it, it – you know, you do it enough and you get a, a mass amount of reps and, and you kind of formulate situational practice without actually having to sit there and go, okay, this is four minute drill. Let's put a clock up here and, and we're going to waste six minutes practicing a four minute drill. You know, I mean, it's just like it because, you know, you, you know, you're going to stop and talk about a certain scenario that happens within a play, you know, should he have ran out of bounds here, you know, make it, make everybody aware, both sides of the ball. no. You should have stayed inbounds because clock's under two minutes, uh, you know, whatever it is. It's, it's all good stuff. I mean, that's why, you know, we've done it for so long and that's why I love it and I'll never change. And I, I love watching those guys that get really creative with it. The Matt Canada's in the world. And, and that's where I really sit there and think and go, man, what I do is anything compared to what that guy does. <laughs> we'll go watch Kyle Shanahan, right? 73% of what they do is with movement, but there's, there's a reason for it and it, it opens up some huge opportunities it's you know in i mean I, i've never been window dressing guy it's it's always been about you know have a purpose for it why are we doing it who are we trying to affect some games it was 
trying to figure out the safety rotation and, and to get that guy who who run fits best to have to play back on a play action pass and get that guy who maybe is he, he'd rather be back in in coverage than come up and fit you know to get those guys to to switch responsibilities so just a lot of creative ways that you can do it and that exact thing happened in, in the national championship game i mean we you know we're we're trying to go fast one is they were really really good on defense really good and one way to try to bring them down a level was to try to get them really tired and so we went really fast but the other thing we found out was we went formation in the boundary and they played field field boundary safeties well we caught their run fit safety who's normally their boundary player now playing in a deep half to the boundary and their field safety who was not necessarily a run fit player was playing on the field hash double teaming the single receiver and we busted off a big run that i still to this point think that was a huge momentum swing in terms of that set us up for another score and and kept the game out of reach for the most part until later in the game where they climbed back in but i mean if we didn't have that run i don't know if we score on that drive or not i mean it's just you know you got your second string running back in there and all of a sudden he rips off a 35 yard run that's a huge thing for sure, Coach, it's it's huge. You know, thinking of, as we wind up here, of tempo, and I had Keith Bearfield on the other day on the podcast, but we were talking about tempo as well, and tempo tricks have kind of become part of it as well. You know, Alabama playing LSU, and they're looking to the sideline for the play. That corner's pressed up from LSU, they they fake like they're going to look over. They make the defense look over, snap the ball, and he's down the sideline for a touchdown. H- have you looked at anything in that regard as far as utilizing tempo that way? Yeah, absolutely. I think good defensive coordinators have a plan for some of that stuff. And so, you know, you just talked about it, you know, that, that coach had a plan so that when they made a check, they were going to check. And it allowed him to be able to make a check based off what they were seeing defensively on the offensive side. But you as a coordinator also look at it and go, okay, if this is their plan, what's way we, one way we can take, you know, take advantage of it. I look at it as D linemen that go to a knee when you go to a check with me, right? It's the same thing. If, if they go to a knee and relax, can you false cadence, snap the ball or fake look, snap the ball and are you now running power against guys that are sitting on one knee how much of an advantage does that give you you know we've done the direct snap thing we've done the pass we've done the the quick screen off of it with teams that you know when they like to check and go from maybe a pressure if they're showing pressure they would drop to a they would go to a zone and play soft well you know you, you find ways to take advantage of that in a variety of different ways but you know there's there's ways to to go after it and there's some really good ways out there. You know, if you film study and you watch college football on Saturday, knock on wood that everything keeps getting better here for us going forward. But, you know, there's some good ways that people have check plays or have ways of, of varying their tempo without giving it away to the defense that they are making check plays. Uh, there's some really good stuff out there for that in terms of what some of the guys are doing. And they all do it their own way. And I'm trying to find out and learn as much as I can too, but and go that way so yeah no it's it's definitely fun to study and think about those things and how you can uh, affect the team and uh, shared a lot of great ideas with us today before we go i want to make sure that you share your new recruiting area with our listeners where are you recruiting 
Yeah, so I'm keeping Nebraska. I recruited Nebraska at Morningside, and so I'm keeping Nebraska. I got the Omaha and Lincoln areas, and then obviously find the best of the best from around that that, that state, and there's some really good talent there. And then I have Kansas City, Missouri, and then the I-29 corridor heading up back to home for me. And and so it's good. That, you know, I'm kind of new to the Kansas City area. But uh, we've recruited a few guys out of that area, Morningside, and so I've gotten familiar with some of them. And, you know, it's not been fun that I haven't been able to get out and go to the schools and meet the coaches, but I have been reaching out. and Some of the coaches have been tuning in to some of the clinics and, and different things that we've done during this time. And, and so I've just been reaching out to those guys. But, yeah, I got the Kansas City, Missouri side and then Lincoln and Omaha. And your handle on Twitter so these guys can follow you, communicate. Yeah. My handle on Twitter is at Coach Ludes. It's just my, my last name cut in half with, with the S brought in. So you can find me on Twitter. You can find me on Instagram. You can find me. My email is looters at ucmo.edu. I'm more than willing to share ideas. I'm not going to send film or anything like that, but I'm more than willing to share and talk through anything. So, Well, Coach, as always, I appreciate you taking the time to – talk ball with us here and share some ideas and you know best of luck to you at central missouri and new job as you get back to normal here yeah i appreciate it keith thanks a lot for for bringing me on and getting to do it. it's been probably way too long since we've done this but it's a pleasure to get back on here and just talk some ball and always respected what you've done and you've built built this thing from the ground up so i'm, I'm proud of what you've been able to do and i mean i'm just excited to to be a part of it, to be honest with you. So I'm going to go this weekend. I'm going to go grill some ribs with, with Coach Jacobson. We're going to have a little grill out, see who's got the best ribs. So There you go. All right, Coach, you take care. All right, have a good one, Keith. again for listening to the coaching coordinator podcast check out our new home for the podcast at coachandcoordinator.com and follow me on twitter at coach k grabowski